Let's open with a word of prayer. <clears throat> we ask that you illuminate our hearts. O Master who loves mankind with the pure light of your divine knowledge, open the eyes of our mind to the understanding of your gospel teachings, implant in us also a fear of your blessed commandments, that trampling down all carnal desires we may enter upon a spiritual manner of living, thinking and doing such things that are pleasing unto you. For you are the illumination of our souls and bodies, Christ our God. And we give you glory together with your Father who is from everlasting and your holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. So when I was preparing for the sermon for today, there was a lot to choose from, actually. We've got some wonderful selections this morning from God's promises to David that we heard both in this, the reading from 2 Samuel chapter 7 as well as the reading that we had from Psalm 89 uh, to open our, our service up with the call to worship. But something kept bringing me back to the Gospel of Luke, specifically the part of the Gospel of Luke that said, for with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And I kept coming back to that over and over again, and I started thinking about the impossibility and the possible. The impossible and the possible, I should say. Is human beings that are living in a culture that is a product of the Enlightenment, we're steeped in skepticism, and we are distrustful of any claims to truth, the, primarily the main truth that all reality is structured upon the story of Jesus coming into the world, born of a virgin no less. And this feels to many like the ravings born from pre-modern mystical nonsense. And sometimes the church isn't much help with this either. When I was preparing for this, I went to a website, uh, progressivechristianity.com, and I was looking to see um, some different points of view on the virgin birth. And the articles there were filled with articles and posts that say garbage like this. Why is it that these stories of God and Jesus have stuck around for so long, while the stories of other miracle workers haven't? The author asked this question after stating that we need to kill the myths in the Bible, which are the miraculous stories. Another author said this, So where we may ask, did the stories come from? The answer is they came from a few people who were so caught up in what Jesus had said and done that they exalted his birth and created a story of cosmic origin and intervention. The impossibility of the existence of God, the impossibility of God actually doing something in creation, the, ex the, the impossibility of God becoming human is a stumbling block for these individuals. But with God, nothing is impossible. And from what I can tell, these authors see Christianity as a sort of, of shell. It's like a shell game that we play that hides grains of truth that can lead human beings towards a nice way of living. And this nice way of living looks and sounds an awful like progressive political ideology. The people in the ancient world were not idiots. They knew once you're dead, you stay dead. They knew that virgins don't give birth. It's a physical impossibility. One thing that they did know is that sometimes what is impossible is made possible. And what they did know, and what they still know, and what we know today, 
is that what we see with our eyes, feel with our hands, taste with our mouths, smell with our nose, and hear with our ears is not all that is. In the reading from 2 Samuel, we see King David, the prototypical faithful and just king by which all the other kings of Judah were measured. King David is at peace. His enemies have been stilled and there is time for him to sit in his home and just kick back and relax. The Ark of the Lord was still housed in the tabernacle, a big tent. And David, now that he's had time to rest from his labors, he realizes that maybe it's not a good idea to let the Ark of the Lord live in a house, uh, live in a tent while, I get, while he gets to live in a house of, of cedar. And he wants to build a temple for the Lord. And the prophet Nathan says, right on. You do that. Whatever's in your heart, go and do it. But then God tells Nathan, no. Now, if you're a king and all of your enemies are subdued, there's peace, and you're able to finally rest. You finally kick back. Maybe David, you know, had his favorite wine or something like that. Who knows? You might think to yourself, wow. Look at all the things that I was able to do. I think I'm a, I'm a pretty amazing king. My enemies are subdued. All is at rest. There's no trouble. Things are sweet right now. I'm a, I'm a great king. But the reality is that all, of that all that David accomplished was seemingly impossible, apart from one major fact. And in the reading, God says to David, I took you from the pasture. I took you from nothing. I took you from the middle of nowhere. I took you from the fields. And I went with you wherever you went. And I took you there. And I went with you everywhere you went. And I'm the one who cut off all of your enemies. And I will make for you a great name. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so they will dwell in their own place and not be disturbed any longer. I'm going to make sure that the violent will afflict them no more. And I am going to give you rest from all of your enemies. And I am going to make your house and your kingdom be established forever. God's work. I took you out of the pasture when you were just a young man shepherding sheep. I made you the ruler of my people. They're not your people, they're my people. I'm the one who did it. All of David's accomplishments then, they're all a gift of God. Generally, shepherd boys don't become mighty kings. But God made it possible. Not only that, but God promises to establish his house forever. And wrapped up in this promise is another promise that God will rescue his people from all oppression. This is impossible for David to do on his own. It would be impossible for David to establish his own line forever. It is something that God will do. And this is fulfilled, brothers and sisters, in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, descended from David, the true king who rules over all and reigns over all forever and ever. The next story of impossibility is the one that a lot of people have a problem with. The virgin birth. The other day I saw a picture of what was supposed to be the Virgin Mary with hashtag me too on it. And an article stating that Mary was a victim of an unwanted encounter with a Roman soldier. Why all of this? 
Because the driving force of our culture, brothers and sisters, is power. And then everything is interpreted through the lens of who has power and who doesn't have power. And how those who have power are nothing but oppressors. And this ignores a lot of what it means to be human and the incredibly complicated things that go into a human person's actions. So people have, have taken the figures of the Bible and recast them into whatever image they want instead of the image God is trying to set up for us. And they do this to serve exactly the opposite of what, well, God does this. So they can serve the opposite of what the prevailing culture is trying to justify. Mary is not a victim of me too. Mary is not a pawn to be used for political purposes. Mary is the mother of our great God and Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, who humbly accepted the will of God. And these interpretations, they're ignorant because they focus the power dynamic in the wrong place. By, they, fo they focus the power dynamic on Mary and, and what happened to Mary. But by being born of a young virgin woman, the Word, the eternal Son of the Father, is being born in the most humble way possible as a human being. Imagine this, right? St. Paul says that, that through him and for him all things were created. The one through whom the Father created all things. The eternal word, the Son, the Logos of God. The one who upholds everything by the word of his power is born as a baby. The divine Son takes on human nature to redeem humanity. The one who is without a beginning begins to be as the word became flesh. This is the power dynamic here, brothers and sisters. The humble will be exalted. The one to whom shepherds bowed will one day be bowed before by every single person who has ever lived. This is impossible, but the angel Gabriel says nothing is impossible with God. And the proof of this to Mary is the pregnancy of her older relative, Elizabeth, that has preceded her own. Elizabeth's pregnancy was impossible too, but God made it possible. Mary's pregnancy was impossible, but God made it possible. And like I said earlier, even the ancient world didn't believe in virgins giving birth. And indeed, this was seen as something that made the Christian message just as bizarre to the world of Jesus' time as well as our own time. There were people who were attacking this even in the first century. And a lot of ink has been spilled to change this story. Appeals by the Academy, which mirror the scoffing done two millennia ago, trying to use linguistics even to try and deny the virgin birth and say it's a fabrication added by Christians later. St. Theophylact wrote, if it was not a virgin that gave birth, how would it be a sign, something extraordinary? They say it is not written in the prophecy in Isaiah, but young woman. To which it may be answered that young woman and virgin mean the same thing in Scripture. So brothers and sisters, we serve a God of the impossible who moves in ways we can never understand and who uses the impossible to bring about the redemption of the world. And we see this in the scriptures over and over and over and over again. 
that God uses his own means to bring about his purposes. As St. Paul reminds us in Romans 4, 17, he's speaking of Abraham, our father. He says this, he, Abraham, is our father in the presence of God whom he believed, the God who makes the dead alive and summons the thing that do not yet exist as though they already do. And like we heard from the reading, no word of God will ever fail, will ever fail. And the eternal word of God will never fail. And in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the seemingly impossible has been made possible. Divinity and humanity have been united together to begin the great rescue mission to redeem and restore fallen humanity into the image of the creator that they abandoned. And so to the God who works the impossible, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be all glory forever. Amen.